Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. All right, all right. It's Johnny King. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Johnny King Show. I'm here with a very special guest in my living room, my living room studio, <laughs> Blake Horseman. Thank you for being here. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. You guys may have heard of him through um, being on the Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise shows on TV. Um, he and I have run into each other at the gym here in Denver, Colorado, yeah. sweating it out. Um, and as as I was telling him before we started rolling, I'm I'm always so curious. Um, as I used to interview people off the Biggest Loser contest or contestants off the Biggest Loser TV show, like yeah, you know, people are put on TV and things can be portrayed very differently just for um, getting viewership. But then what? Who is the the actual man or the woman behind the scenes? You know, when the cameras and the lights go off. So that's what I'm so excited to have you here and maybe talk about not so much about the show as it is just about men's mental health mm-hmm. and uh and and just how it is to being kind of thrust into the limelight yeah ready or not yeah that's exactly how you yeah. it sink can, or swim yes and everyone probably thinks like oh if i could be a celebrity if i could be you know well known it'd be so great but then there's so many things that come with this double-edged sword i imagine it's very double-edged sword. very sharp we sometimes sword. Yeah. yeah i mean even watching the last dance with michael jordan i don't know if you watch it yeah anymore, but you know there's that time he's sitting in his in his hotel room, and he's like, dude, I'm sick sick and tired of being, you know, and I, yeah. I imagine every celebrity goes through that, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you can't walk anywhere without being like, even in the gym, like, hey, Blake, you're like, hey, man, like, <laughs> let me just get out of here, you know? <laughs> but it is it is what it is, Yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So maybe before we get into some of that stuff, tell me, uh, tell the, the listeners, viewers, a little bit more about you and your where you grew up and your upbringing with family. What was life like in the Horseman family? Yeah, absolutely. So um, grew up here in Colorado, small, small mountain town, uh, Bailey, Colorado. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, grew up there and then, then went to college in Nebraska, Hastings mm-hmm. College, so mm-hmm. small college as well in Nebraska. Um, then moved back here to Denver about six years ago, roughly. Um, lived different places here in Denver. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm so born and raised in Colorado, big Colorado, you know, fan and everything. Yeah. And, uh, my family, yeah, growing up, um, we're all super close, but, um, I mean, growing up in a small town sometimes could be, uh, you know, it, it's good. Also a double-edged sword. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but you know, you got that small town politics and all that. And so I think I would say I was definitely very sheltered mm. growing up and mm. even in college, which is like a small college in Nebraska. So that also impacted my, you know, my, uh, experience on the bachelorette and bachelor paradise because i think i went in very doe-eyed very naive you know if yeah. you will yeah um so that definitely uh was an interesting yeah an interesting uh, experience yeah least, yeah, yeah. So. it's uh it's interesting to hear that and what was what was uh if you don't mind me asking just like your parents and are they still together are they no like, yeah was... they um yeah no so i my parents gosh i think they divorced when i was 15 16 okay roughly that age um you know, honestly, it was like one of those things where my parents were together just for the kids for a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty unhappy. Um, and like us kids knew it. Like it was almost like 
like it was hard when they divorced that obviously but like everybody's so much happier now and yeah. it ended up being a blessing yeah um so yeah so that yeah. was about 15 16 well and i and i only bring it up not necessarily to prize it is like at least f- for what i do with men and my own mental health as a man like so much of that was shaped by oh, yeah. the fact that my dad was a workaholic he was never around they had a working relationship my dad came out a couple of years after my mom passed away that he was gay. Like, oh my gosh, of course. And she knew about it in the relationship. So learning it more and seeing it as an adult is different. Oh, yeah. But it still affects my, my belief and my feeling about love, what I do not want. I mean, no offense to my parents, but like so much of my focus was like not becoming mm-hmm. my parents. And yeah. then I run into women who have the same exact fear and we trigger each other. And uh, there's, it's just interesting to see how that plays out in relationships and dating. Yeah. You know? Yeah, very much. I mean, because I, I get asked that a lot. You know, how did your parents' relationship affect yeah. how you, like, view love now yeah. and everything? Yeah. And it's a weird thing for me because, like I said, they, like, I always respected my parents. And, like, me and my sister, I have a younger sister, and she, we were, I mean, my parents always put us first. Mm. Like, almost to the detriment of their relationship, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. And so, I always respected them for that and loved them for that. But also, like, it, it seemed like... Like I said, they were probably together, I want to say, eight years just for us. Mm-hmm. Like, they would have divorced a mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. lot, long, long, long time before that. Um, but I don't know. As a, My view on love, I don't know if it's necessarily changed a ton. It was very hard. My mom actually fell in love with another man um, while my parents were together. And that's what officially, obviously, ended mm-hmm. uh, the relationship, the mm-hmm. marriage. Uh, but I don't know. They're both so happy right now. Remarried for like eight, nine years. You know, they've been together with yeah, spouses. So it's one of those things where... I just, I guess I view love because like the way they love me and my sister mm. um, and how much love they put into us and still do. And they're still amicable and they, we do birthday parties, Christmases mm. together and all that. Um, but I don't think it's, a, I always say this, that I don't think it's affected kind of the way I actually love in a relationship. But at least like you just said, like we can say that now as adults, but it still affected me very much. For like, sure. Yeah. When I was a kid. For maybe. sure. And it was very hard in a small town because right. the guy, my mom fell in love with like my basketball coach and teacher. And so it was like a whole thing in a small town. So. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. easy. Well, it almost probably seems like, like you said, it prepared you for it in the sense that everyone was up in your business. Yes. Very much. Of my, like I found out things through friends, uh, you know, without my family. Like it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. It was hard. What, uh, what was your relationship with your, your dad? Uh, so my dad also, he, he so he worked a lot. He uh, works for the U.S. Postal Service. Okay. And they worked like six days a week, 10 hours a week. Yeah. And he would drive to Denver every day. So it was a good hour oh, down to Denver, an hour back up. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he did make time to like, he would try and make all my, you know, sporting events and all that kind of, because I was huge into, you know, sports growing up. And he did a great job of that, but it was hard on him just because he was unhappy with how much he had to work and how much, you know, he, he occasionally missed because mm-hmm. he'd come home, we'd eat dinner, and then he'd go to bed and mm-hmm. get up the next morning and do it. So it was next day, it was, I mean, it was a workaholic, but it was more of, he didn't enjoy work. Like he hated work. Yeah. And so one thing I, you know, I heard you say, like, you didn't want to be like, you know, you, know, you didn't want to end up like your parents yeah. would be that person. So I, I looked at a different, I saw him work so hard in a job he didn't like yeah. and still hates. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was me being like, okay, I want to find something I'm passionate about. You know, even if it's, you know, and I, I don't want to have to work my, you know, hands to the bone doing mm-hmm. something I don't like mm-hmm. because I saw him doing that. So mm-hmm. that's how that kind of, I, I would say it inspired me to be like, okay, I'm going to find something I enjoy hmm. because I saw my dad work his out. He made yeah. great money, but yeah. he worked his ass off and he was unhappy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah well, I think, was. yeah, likewise. And I mm-hmm. think totally me too. And that's why I'm as healthy as I am because my parents were so out of shape, mm-hmm. but then also why I do have that drive because my father was very entrepreneurial as well. However, uh, you know, seeing how he's what now 73 and has been successful in his businesses, and yet it, 
you know, having a lump sum of money in the bank doesn't necessarily bring you happiness. Amen. Right? Amen. And I think we are now wise enough uh, as these upcoming generations to see we have so much freaking abundance. The fact that we can do this, mm-hmm. right, or, or even shoot this from our iPhones is like ridiculous compared to where past generations, you know, and the opportunities they had. However, why then are people more unhappy why are so many men killing themselves? Why are there so many, you know, mass shootings like here in Colorado yeah. or flying plays into buildings or whatever the case might be happening in the world when we actually should have so much, so, so much reason to be Spiritual. fulfilled. Yeah. You're so right. Right. Yeah. Any insight into, that's a big so, question. But. Yeah. I mean, so actually I was, I don't know if you know this, but I, there was a school shooting at my high school when I was a senior in high school. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, up in Bailey, Colorado, Platte Canyon High School. I mm. was 2008. Mm. Yeah. 2008. Um, 2000, no, sorry. 2006. 2006. Um, and um, it was just, it was a man, complete stranger, no ties to the community, no ties to the school. Mm. Walked into my school with backpack full of rifles and guns and took six women hostage and um, it was yeah, and, and uh, one one student, female student, ended up passing. Um, mm. So it was it was that obviously also was something that shaped me and like you know shaped who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I get a lot of my um, I don't know if I I would say maybe anxiety from that because I, I I I didn't realize I had a lot of anxiety until I went on the show and then mm-hmm. it was like oh shit because then I finally talked about it and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think that's I think a lot. I was the prime example of that. I think a lot of men bottle things up, hold things in. Um, I don't, I think they're scared to talk, to be open, to be vulnerable because mm. it's a sh- sign of weakness and it's mm-hmm. a sign of, um, you need help almost. And, you know, men don't want to have to be, you know, they want to be For strong. Sure. They don't want to, sure. you know, admit that they need help. Yeah. Um, and so the stigma around mental health with men is like, yeah, it's something I had no idea about. I almost to the point where I thought, I mean, we can get into kind of what happened to me in paradise, but I thought that crippling anxiety and like panic attacks and almost like depression was like a myth totally. and it was like rub some dirt on totally. it get back <laughs> yeah. up go to work do yeah. your thing yeah. um until i really experienced it and then i was like oh my god this is so real like people yes. live with this yes. every day yes. you know and it's like it's it's incredible yes yeah. and i think that's it's it's yeah, it's like a part of our character, which is, I'd say, I hate to for any of us to go through like a school shooting, or you know, I I talked about in the podcast. I've I was hiking with a buddy along Long's Peak, and I he slipped and fell off and passed away. Oh Just PTSD or mm-hmm. trauma that we can look back and be like, oh yeah, we're still deeply affected by this. But it allows me to feel such greater empathy. Versus, totally agree with you. When I was younger, I was like, man, like because I grew up pretty pretty controlled, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty well, you know, privileged without a doubt mm-hmm. that I'm like, what are panic, like panic attacks and depression That's only, that's a choice. Yes. And you know, it's like, just stop being a victim. It's like, um, all that stuff. And I've even had those stories about black people with everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And now that I have the perspective, perspective of so many of my buddies here in town that are black, I'm like, um, was I so wrong? And that's just learning to be more mature, obviously, yeah. and have greater, um, just awareness and compassion for people. But what, uh, yeah, from that standpoint, <clears throat> what did you, what have you learned about yourself? And that was, that's exactly what I want to talk about, which is like, not only are relationships hard enough when you put yourself out there, you either get your heart broken or you're breaking hearts. Um, if it's not obviously the one mm-hmm. and I've gone through a divorce and that was the worst thing that I've ever been through yeah. without a doubt, the worst thing. And I felt like I was having my panic attacks and losing my mind and yet still the greatest catalyst for growth that I've ever been through 
but having been through what you've been through, you know, we all make mistakes and stuff like that in terms of relationships and love. What do you feel like you've learned in terms of either giving yourself greater grace, <clears throat> having more empathy for others, mm-hmm. you know, and just the importance of having mental health because you're, you're doing it live, if right. you will, but you're right. doing it, you know, for mm-hmm. the world to see. That's pretty brutal, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, I always say like the public eye for people can be like mean different things. Cause like, like I said, I grew up in a small town and when mm. things were happening to me in my small town, it felt like the public eye was on me. <laughs> totally, everybody, totally. you know, but yeah. then you actually get into the public eye and like you have people who are complete <laughs> strangers and have no idea for different countries yeah. and they're sending you messages. And so, you know, that's a lot, obviously everything's kind of magnified. Yeah. Um, but I would say the one thing that I've kind of gotten out of what I went through, um, is empathy. Like mm. I, and the, the ability to help you. I've had people in bachelor nation. Now I'm like that person that people go to when they're going through a tough time or when they get a villain edit or they say something stupid, you know, mm. on live on the show. Um, I've even had other shows like other reality show. People reach out to me, big brother, mm-hmm. um, love is blind. And they live, they sit me down. They're like, how do I get through this? Like everybody hates me. Everybody thinks I'm this monster. I'm this horrible human. And so it's a, it's a gift to be able to help those people mm-hmm. to kind of steer them in the right way and to like, to just give them, and it's like small things. Like sometimes yeah. you don't even need to say anything. Just listen mm-hmm. because everybody's trying to help them. Everybody's trying to show them something or give them this tip, do this, do totally. that. Sometimes just to sit and listen to them, let them vent is can yeah. change everything. You know? Yeah. So. Well, it kind of make, makes me think of what you said earlier, just a few minutes ago, which is like, you didn't realize it was um, what you've been through was, not traumatic per se, but was an issue until you started talking about it on the show, right? Yeah. Which that is, I feel like the very first piece of healing, which is at least acknowledging and, and getting yeah. it out, right? Because either we have shame or whatever that, that just kind of builds in us, which again, it gets bigger and bigger, especially for guys who feel like, like you said, we're weak. Mm-hmm. We should be able to figure this out on our own. Whatever the, whatever the stories that we tell ourselves about why we shouldn't express our emotions, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, yeah. As, as we were growing up and now things are starting to shift and that's the whole point of the work that I do. But like, otherwise that, that turns into a massive monster. That exactly. And then it's just waiting to like be released. And I think you kind of mentioned like society and our culture, I think is moving in the right direction. Yeah. Like I think it's not as much of a stigma for men to seek help, but it's still out there. Like I remember when I was going through what I was on both shows, being on Bachelorette, mm-hmm. um, I kind of, I was in my head a lot because obviously it's very hard to date mm-hmm. one woman with your friends. Totally. So it was just like this weird, you know, social experiment, if you will. And yeah. so I was very much in my head and I was like kind of emotional and kind of all over the place as you would be like, you're falling in love with this woman you're in love with this woman and she's falling in love with another man. Like yeah. a very hard environment and situation. Totally. Uh, but I remember even then, like I got called by like people, other people in Bachelor Nation, like, emotionally unstable and that I was a little bitch for like crying yeah. or like things like that, you know, and it still hurts. And like, I still will eventually like everyone's like, I saw a meme the other day of me and it was me like crying and it was somebody tagged me in it. And it was something like, like how many more bitch ass white men are going to be on bachelor, Bar- you know, or something like yeah. that. And it's yeah. like, even like complete stranger or whatever, like, you know, it still bothers you and stuff. And so there still is stigma around it and it still does bother me even, you know, mm-hmm. even though I'm pretty open and vulnerable and I enjoy that, it's still hard when people be like, totally, you know, you're weak or grow up or, you know, something like that. Be a man. Right. You hear that a lot. Like be a man. Right. It's like, what does that even mean? Right. You know, like, Which is interesting because it's like, you're, you're setting an example of, of a man that's more connected to his emotions, more uh, emotionally intelligent and yet, through the, I would imagine, 
totally correct me if I'm wrong, with the pressures of, of being in the limelight like you are, it also is forcing you to become thicker skinned. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to become desensitized to, mm -hmm. so it's like, how do you strike the balance between, because I get it too, I mean, such a small little thing, but just doing events here in town and like Facebook ads, guys are posting like, fucking yeah. you know fags and all this stuff like jesus are you serious yeah, you know crazy. the things that guys write because men are getting together to support each other i'm like and i know that's just coming from their pain exactly yes and so i think that helps and yet you're right it's still challenging to to not allow certain things to affect you yeah i always say and i um i get reached out to like i said a lot of people after the show's done airing but not film or not sorry not done airing but done filmed but not aired yet yeah and i was one of the things i say is like if you see somebody writing something nasty, it says more about them than it does you. Like their yeah. insecurities are showing through. Yeah. They're scared. They're whatever. Um, but like you said, it still hurts. And the metaphor I always use um, is basically you don't necessarily – it still hurts no matter what. Like if you see a negative comment, you see something, an insult, it hurts. But it's almost like working out. So like you go, you work out. The next day it hurts. But maybe, you know – the first time you work out, it hurts for a week and then it slowly gets better <laughs> yeah. every time you work out. So it gets better. Yeah. So I say an insult will hurt right away still, but you'll get that thicker skin. You'll get the muscle and yeah. it'll roll off your back easier. Yeah. So yeah. It can, it's still okay that it hurts because it will, yeah. but you just get over it quicker. You get yes. a thicker skin and that's kind of like, you know, working out, you just get stronger and stronger. Which I refer to as emotional fitness. Yeah. Emotion, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Right. Like you're emotionally fit such that when, sh when the shit storm comes, cause it certainly will. And I feel like the, that is part of. Like I'm choosing into, you know, being a, a leader in my community. You were kind of thrust into mm -hmm. it in some regards and you either <laughs> get stronger or you're going to collapse under the weight of it, right? And yeah. I'm sure we've all had our, our I say, moments. unfortunately, I know people who have collapsed because kind of the show chews you up and spits you out. It's like they more or less, I mean, you use the show, but they use you and then you're thrown in the spotlight and then yeah. you don't hear from them again. Yeah. You know, unless you're like, they want you on another show. Like you right. don't hear from them again. And right. it's, so it's very hard to like cope with literally overnight, overnight. Like I remember the first episode, I had the first date of the season on the bachelorette mm -hmm. overnight. The next day I went out to a bar and it was like, everybody knew me and everybody wanted to picture. So it was like really hard thing and shows getting better. They're actually going to like have a team now who like works with people and, a lot more mental health yeah. and they actually find therapists for people and that yeah. kind of thing. Cause yeah. I think they're starting to realize like, especially in the social media age, what that can do yeah. to people's mental health. Well, it, it only take one of those participants probably killing themselves for them to be like, and I know oh, multiple we... that have been very close. Yeah. Right. Been, yeah. I mean, I, I had, I was, there was moments when I was like, I didn't know if I, when I went through what I went in paradise, I was like, I don't know if I want to live. Like I just felt like everybody was like everybody I'd known or met over the last like year or two mm. just stabbed me in the back. Mm. Didn't care about me, used me for likes, views, tweets. Mm. I felt like I had nobody close to me and I was so alone and it yeah. was, it was hard. It was super, super hard. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you being on the show. Seriously, dude, because it's like, I'm just another dude that just walks up to you in the, in the <laughs> gym and it's, you know, again, and, and I get just too little reaching out like, Hey, can we grab coffee? Can we just, and there's part of me that's always kind of resistant. Cause I'm like, I don't have the time, man. And I have to keep just like, Again, that's my ego trying to protect me or whatever. There's a part of me that, that again, just appreciate you showing up and just having this healthy conversation because it's like, what are they looking to get out of me? You know, mm -hmm. am I just getting extracted mm -hmm. all the time? And that to me is frustrating where I am like, yes, like you're sitting here next to me because of your experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. And yet I've also had some of my greatest bros who no one knows them from the next guy just mm -hmm. because we have great conversations when we're sitting having dinner and I'm like, I want to capture this. That's why I want it to be is anyone and everyone, but we're all men 
Well, and I know a lot of women listen to this too. It's like, we're all human beings and the mental health, the, the, we can all, I talk about the science of achievement. We can all achieve things. And yet are we happy at the end of the day or are we like wanting to end it? Mm -hmm. Even though we on paper or on social media, everything looks great. Yes. Right. I think that's probably maybe a a big challenge for being thrust into the line like you have. And then your reputation, which is kind of all we got Mm -hmm. or or our word or our sense of integrity can be kind of spun. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it probably doesn't feel fair. And then you're like, what the hell? You're built up frustration. How do you deal with just some of the, the rawest, hardest moments when you feel like you're all alone and, yeah, I, uh, so I'll just quick do like a synopsis of like synopsis of paradise. And basically, so I went in, so paradise is like the all-star show, if you will, of like okay. bachelor bachelorette where uh-huh. they take men from the bachelorette, women from the bachelor, throw them on the beach in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Everybody dates each other. And it's a lot more dramatic, you yeah. know, if they will, it's a lot more like MTV type show. Yeah, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went to that show, um, probably one of the, probably the most, if you will, popular, I guess, um, males like one of the most popular one of the more popular male contestants mm-hmm. um and that obviously put <clears throat> excuse me quite a bit of a big target on me for sure um, pressure for yeah sure. and this is and i should have known this but this is proven you know true in past seasons that the like most popular guy there's nowhere to go but down like yeah. there's nowhere to go but down Correct. and the producers Everyone's do this yeah and the producers do that know this and they use it to their advantage and they edit me to be a monster like mm-hmm. Just somebody who uses women, discards them, ghosts them, plays them, silences them, all of this stuff. And none of it was true. Um, And unfortunately, I had to release evidence. I had to release text messages to prove that. Um, So not only was I getting burned, a lot of people understood why I did that. And especially now, I think people look back and they're like, he had to. Like, he was literally like painted as a sexual predator to the world. But painted into a corner where you're kind of in a lose-lose. Lose-lose. And that's exactly what it was. And, you know, when people... I think, like I said, some people looking back now have like changed their because at first it's like, oh, you really text messages, but then you read the text messages and you watch the show and you're like, damn, did you really have another yeah. choice? You yeah. know. Yeah. But so, but so I got <laughs> hate um, on the show and yeah. like the edit I got, but then I also got hate for releasing text messages. So it was, mm. like you said, it was a lose lose, and I was in a very very dark place um, to the point where it was the first time I've ever been legitimately depressed, where mm. I couldn't get out of it, mm-hmm. and it was so hard because I thought it was. Like I said before, I was like, these people who like lay in bed for days, like they just, they're weak, you know? And mm-hmm. then it happened to me where I'd, I'd sit there and be like, okay, tomorrow I get out of bed and I go walk around the block. I'm going to mm-hmm. go take a jog. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. I wake mm-hmm. up and I just couldn't do it because I was just so broken. Well, where was, if you don't mind me, like mm-hmm. in that, in those moments, where was your mind going? Like, it was just like, there's no point getting out of bed because all you're doing, you're going to be faced with more of the mm-hmm. weight or what? I think I was just so, good question. Yeah. So I think I was just so like beat down and I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. Mm. And like everything that I had done and like, I did make mistakes. There were mistakes made. Like, I'm not going to say I didn't, everybody does, but unfortunately my mistakes were on national television. Right. Um, but yeah, in those moments, I think it was just more of like, I, like it's even hard to explain. Like there it really is almost like a chemical imbalance where, you know, I just, I just felt like it wasn't worth it. Mm. It wasn't worth it mm. to get out of bed. Mm. Like it wasn't worth it to leave my home. Totally. Um, and that was really hard for me because I've always been somebody who's very active. Yeah. I've always been somebody who works out and who's honestly, like if you ask my friends, like I'm always the happiest guy in the room, yeah. life of the party. So it was such a just dramatic change for me mentally where I, I was confused. I was like, why am I feeling this way? Why mm-hmm. can't I get out of bed? And mm-hmm. 
I would talk to therapists on the phone and, you know, it was, it was hard. I finally did end up going to therapy. Um, I'm still going. Mm. Um, and it, that was a year now. It was a year ago. So yeah. I got home July or sorry, June 22nd last year from paradise. Yeah. So it's been about a year now and yeah. I, I still have bad days, good days and bad days, for sure. but I'm a thousand percent better than I was a year ago. Big part of it being therapy. Big part of it being just therapy. Talking, like yeah, mm-hmm. confronting it versus... Yeah. And we just kind of talked about like I, I had a lot of anger and frustration. Yeah. And I still sometimes I still catch myself getting angry. Sure. Um, whether it's like the producers um, and what they did and how they edited me to the point where they like use words from different mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. melded them together to make me say, say something really horrible. And mm-hmm. that and like the people down on those... I got bullied hard. Bullied mm-hmm. really bad down on that beach. And so... It was like forgiving people. I just had to forgive because I had so much anger and frustration built up inside me. And I couldn't let go and I couldn't be who I wanted to be and right. I couldn't be my old self. And so that was really, really hard. Yeah. I think that's – it's. thank you for sharing it because I think that's where so many guys are mm-hmm. because I do know, at least in terms of the, the monthly men's meetings that I put on, they're all free. Guys come in. There'll be 50, 60, 70, sometimes 80 of us all in a room. And some of the – I mean, the most common response to this is like, I didn't know that other guys were feeling this way. Mm, yes. Because we don't sit around and talk about this. Typically, mm-hmm. especially, again, relative strangers to sit down, which, again, I appreciate you so mm-hmm. much. Be like, but this is what I do. It's like, and I think as soon as I start to open up and be like, dude, I was so alone. All these things. This is what caused my marriage to fall apart. This and this and this and this. And like, guys are like, me too. Yeah. I didn't realize I'm not alone. And I think that's the important part. Because women typically, stereotypically, let's just say broad brush, brush, tend to get together and talk about their feelings a lot more than we do. More, yeah. We'll get together and watch, we'll watch the game or we'll mm-hmm. do it. But it's like, how you doing, man? Like, oh, I'm doing well. Yeah. Right. Jobs is kind of stressing me out. Cool. But there's not like, yeah. well, how are you really doing? Right. You know, or like, I don't know, man, I've got a porn addiction. It's like, we don't talk about mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. chinks in our armor because mm-hmm. we want to be you almost peacock when you're in front of other guys yeah you know, like kind of just, yeah and i completely agree because i've had it happened for me like when i got on the show i'd never really been asked and producers are in the moment they really are like therapy like you sit for hours mm. and talk to these producers mm. on camera mm. but i all of a sudden it was like like a switch flipped and i was all of a sudden i was just spilling like everything you know like mm. all my insecurities all my i was so vulnerable i was talking about my parents divorce school shooting all these things yeah. and i was like yeah. it was just like word vomit and i was like what is happening and then I come home and it was really hard for me when I came home from the show too, because I didn't have anybody to do that with, mm. you know, it was mm. like all of a sudden you like, they put you on a plane, you're home and you don't have that person to talk to every day. You don't have that person to open up to every day and talk about how you're feeling. Um, so that was really hard coming back because yeah. I had to like find somebody to do that with because yeah. even my family really doesn't do that. Yeah. But if I asked a friend, you know, like you just said, another guy or something, and we sit down and have a couple beers and then like three hours later, he's spilling his guts to me and he's like tearing up, you know, yeah, and it was like, yeah. just this weird thing where I think men want to talk about they it. They totally like, Yes. And then I think when they get the opportunity, it's like, I said, it's just like word vomit. All of a sudden right. they're like talking about things that happened to them, you know, when they were a child and how it affected them. And you're just, it's, it's a very powerful thing to like see that happen. And why they're coming to you is because you've been through it. And I feel like they understand that there's a, like a soft place yeah. to land. And they've seen me go through it. Yeah. So I haven't done, done it in private behind the curtain or in a therapist's office. They've seen me do it on yeah. television. Yeah. So they're like, oh, this guy's been through it. He's felt what I'm feeling. I can talk to him about it. And well, that is a gift. And you're still alive. Yes, yes. And I made it through. Yeah, you made it through. Exactly. Made it and through. you've, you know, again, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, guys just don't want to admit that they've made mistakes. Either in their finances or in love or their health. It's just like, but then to be able to see another guy, I think that it just gives so much 
um, you know, availability to <laughs> stepping into that for themselves and be like, okay, here's a guy that didn't like, holy shit, you know, I have a hard time and no one really knows my secrets, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but you, yours have been aired per se. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, a no like and trust ability there mm-hmm. that probably creates some instant rapport with with yes, you right yes. they don't even know you and they're pouring their guts out to you yep. maybe mm-hmm. you get that That's a exactly lot right yeah oh yeah exactly like i'll i'll be like at a party you know like a house party or something and i'll be all of a sudden I'm in the corner with this guy you know mm-hmm. and he's like opening up about he was watching me and he was talking about like his parents divorce or something like that yeah. and he starts opening up so yeah that's yeah exactly i think it's now i've got like a connection with some people you know and mm-hmm. i remember i took and i think one of the important things to remember too is i remember i took a a step back when I came, so coming off Bachelorette, I was all open, vulnerable, and very confident. And it was like, okay, people called me, you know, whatever, emotionally unstable. It was like, whatever, I'm yeah. not. But then when I came off Paradise, I found myself becoming incredibly defensive mm. and feeling like I always had to defend myself because mm-hmm. that's what I had to do on that beach and, mm-hmm. you know, why I was airing. And so I, thankfully, I realized that I was like, I'm, I'm like, I would like lash out. I would like lash out at people. And that was because I had so much anger built up and I hadn't mm. talked about it. Mm. So when I started to go therapy and I started to forgive and I started to talk about it, I found myself not being as defensive. Somebody like insult me, I would like laugh it off instead yep. of being like, you're wrong, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And I yeah. think like you can take steps forward, but then you got to realize too, if you, if you start to like, let's say you're not going to therapy for like a month, you start yeah. to like relapse, if you will, and realize you started building up again, which yeah. I had. Yeah. Kind of got to figure that out and then go like talk to somebody, yeah. you know, yeah. and not, and then it's okay to like admit like, oh, I'm falling back. I'm being, you know, stubborn or whatever, or frustrated again. So, right. Right. You know. Well, you're touching upon a topic of like healthy emotional release, you know, that guys that I talk about a lot of times. Otherwise, uh, it does turn into either verbal conflicts with mm-hmm. like, it's like friendly fire. Yes. They have nothing to do with it, but your loved ones or your your girl or your your spouses, mm-hmm. your partners, they all start end up getting the flack because you're not able to process stuff and get it out. That's exactly right. right? I remember I it was like the first time I'd really gone out since um, Paradise, and I went to L.A. with my agent at the time. She was great, and she did she was on the phone with me for hours when I was going through what I was going mm-hmm. through. But I found myself at moments like lashing out at her. And like, yeah. I was like, I don't know why I'm being so mean to her. Like, what is going on with me? And it was exactly that. I had so much just built up and it wasn't her fault, but I like just wanted to like anything she said or did, I would just get annoyed and like lash out. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home and like being like, why was I like that? Like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with me? It's because I had so much built up. And, right. And men are scared to release it and they're scared to talk about it. Completely. And or if they wait too long, then it does come out violently. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like you're scared of yourself, you know, because yeah. you can't control yourself. Right. And I've had those moments where I just kind of flipped. I was like, and I had so much shame, mm-hmm. you know, even if it was on the sports field, I remember a few times playing soccer, like I just, I lost it. And then I'm like, but I thought I had this all in control. I thought like, am I losing my mind? Or so I start losing respect for myself and then it's just a downward yeah. spiral, oh, yeah. Then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, it probably gets to the point where like you feel little self-worth and you don't get out of bed. Yep. Yeah. So, and it just spirals. It's a snowball effect. It's right. Just, just gets worse and worse and worse. And I think physical, I like the, would you say emotional fitness? I like that a lot because I think physical fitness is huge for your mental health. Because I remember I gained like 20 pounds. I was eating pizza every day. I was just ordering Postmates pizza, like had pizza box in my bed, you know, and it was like just a snowball effect. Like you miss one day, two day a week, a month. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. How am I here right now? Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually going to talk to you. You talked about like, sometimes it'll burst out in like violence and, 
I don't know if you, I don't know if you've heard but like a month ago, there was like, a, not even, it was like two, three weeks ago, there was that shooting downtown. Did you hear about that live yeah, shooting? Yeah, I did actually, yeah. Like that guy must have, like, it, he literally just snapped. Yeah. You know, and like, I was just, I remember thinking like, what, that guy must have had so many inner demons to mm-hmm. just suddenly snap at a complete stranger and shoot through a window. Mm-hmm. Like, that's horrible, you know, and I was like, if somebody would have just had him open up, mm-hmm. like a life could have been saved, mm-hmm. you know, it's like. It's it's hard to think about like just well, a simple conversation could have saved a life. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Well, and I see it on I see it a lot on the roads. I mean, we all probably see it on the roads mm-hmm. where two cars oh, are going yeah. at you, and you're like, oh my god! Yes. Like you guys That's have no point. idea how thin of a line you're on before someone's either and you're going to pull in a bunch of other innocent people. But that is literally like a great metaphor, as I'm saying it for for life. We have a lot of people that are trigger hairs away from like snapping on the road when we're speeding down the road at 60, 70 miles an hour, which you may not come back from that. That is really scary. To you think know, about. we're all sharing the same road in the same way that we're all sharing life, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that it doesn't happen. I think that's why we just keep seeing the same patterns, yeah. you know, and it's interesting because we see patterns of, you know, black people being killed by cops. Mm-hmm. We've seen that come up me too movement. So there's that whole thing. And I watched like a uh, Jeffrey Epstein and the Harvey oh, God, yeah. Weinstein, like all these, like, men of power who are deeply insecure abusing their power and man you know you see like just uh common behaviors repeated every couple of years yeah. you know and it's just like when i think that's why people are like well when is this going to change i think it changes when i humbly believe that like just starting with us individually as men because so much of it i do feel like stems from fatherless homes men who are insecure seeking power or influence when they don't have this and mm-hmm. this in alignment you know mm-hmm. and then like i just I, I empathize with you like or like justin bieber or like like if you get any type of celebrity ship or you know whatever like really fast it can i would probably have been consumed by that too and be like mm-hmm. she's hot it's she's hot feeling, yeah. She, yeah i'm like mm-hmm. it feels so powerful and yet i've also experienced that where it's also deeply it's like empty Mm -hmm. it's unfulfilling and then you're kind of questioning like well then what is all this for anyways and yeah and you said earlier like sometimes that lump sum in the bank doesn't come with happiness and i've seen that firsthand i've met over the last two years i've met and legitimately hung out become friends with a lot of famous people like celebrities yeah and i've seen it firsthand where they're just they're not happy no they're not happy they hate being in the public eye they don't they thought it would be fun to be famous and then they hate it now and the stress that comes, like I know a lot of musicians and yeah. the stress that they go through yeah. and what they go through on the road yeah. and the, they're supposed, but like they also have like a lot of pressure on them because everybody's banking on them to make them money. And it's, it's trust me, the, your hero, if you will, is going through the same thing that you are. That yeah. person you look up to, that athlete, that musician, mm-hmm. they're going through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Amplified, magnet, you know, magnified. And mm-hmm. it, uh, it's kind of refreshing to know that like they are also, you know, going through basically the same problems you are because you put them on this pedestal um but trust me like yeah it's they most of them 99 percent of them are not happy yeah 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 i think that's why i do so much respect the the few that at least look like they're they love what they do Mm -hmm. and they're happy Mm -hmm. you know like justin timberlake seems like he's such a cool dude he's such a great you know down to earth has a has a great relationship with his spouse but then there's always we always have that like yeah but are they really Mm -hmm. you know it's like lance armstrong such a great athlete Mark McGuire is such a great athlete. And then you find out like they're all cheating, you know, or like, you know, tax evading taxes or they're cheating on their spouse. You're just like, Oh man, another, another one. Damn it. And so I think that's all the more reason why, you know, it's, it's good to, to 
share vulnerably that none of us are perfect because it makes us real, but then to still like keep a high standard for what it means for to be a guy, you know, uh, as an example for everyone else that's that's out there, like you can go through the shit storm and come out healthier mm-hmm. and happier, yes. you know, yes. not easy, but it ha- like just for me, it's just a big part of going through it with other men that allows me um, to level up in a different way than when I was always seeking support from my mom mm-hmm. or my sisters or my female school teachers so or, you know, like there's something different about men relying on each other. Yeah. That creates a different dynamic. It does. It does. And I think, yeah, just, we just relate, you know, more. And it's like, oh, if he's going through it, that's okay that I'm going through yeah. it too, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, just in wrapping things up, yep. do you feel like, um, not do you feel like, I guess the question is, what are, what have been things that you've experienced over the last several years um, of your experience that has really been, like I said, some of the things I've been through have been the worst things and yet the greatest catalysts for growth. What are those things that have, have been the catalysts for growth in terms of your own personal growth or how you show up in relationships? Because I ultimately think that you probably still desire to be in a relationship mm-hmm. long term and like, but that's got to be tough, you know? Yeah. It's a pretty broad broad question. No, but, but I yeah, it's a good question though because I think I have there has been like these experiences that I've gone through, whether it be good or bad, um, with the show and in the public eye, it has I have grown as a person. I think probably the biggest thing for me is I've become a better brother, mm. a better son, mm. a better friend, because I think, you know, a better like in a relationship, I'm a better spouse or whatever you will, because I think I'm not afraid to open up and to talk about mm-hmm. what's bothering me or, or honestly to sit and listen and what's bothering them. I've gotten more empathy. We can mm-hmm. talk about that. Like the mm-hmm. empathy that I have now for sometimes complete strangers, um, let alone, but then, you know, my friends, I realized like, I, like I wasn't the best friend yeah. before, yeah. you know? And so now I just find myself like realizing that once you realize that, like, like you said, like if you can admit to mistakes, that's like the first step. Mm-hmm. And like, when I look back at like some of my friendships, um, you know, how I was with my family. It's like, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't who I know I can be. Mm-hmm. I can be better than that. And mm-hmm. I think just by simply starting a conversation with a friend, sometimes, like I said, you have a couple of beers and you're starting a conversation with a friend. And then like 40 minutes later, you've talked about stuff that you, <laughs> I've known this guy for 20 years right, and right. I just, in 30 minutes, I know more about this guy, you know? Right, so right. I think that's the biggest thing is I've become a better friend, a better son, a better brother, and you know, a better man in every facet. That's pretty cool. And yeah. the last thing I think you touched upon it, which is, <clears throat> um, and I got, I got to believe it's challenging, like you said, cause you, and I know some of my buddies who are also kind of in the limelight a lot, you, you kind of question everyone's motive in being friends with you, mm-hmm. that your circle of, your circle of friends gets really tight, yes. you know? Yes. Um, and super important, I imagine, mm-hmm. right? Because they're your rock in many yep. different ways. Mm-hmm. And I often talk about that in terms of men too, like starting this brotherhood here in Denver. It's like, man, like we need we need each other as bros. Yeah, you might have your your significant other, your spouse, your kids, but like there's something else to be about this. So in regards to that, with my last question, like how, what does that look like? If someone's listening, what are those important things that you look for in people that you surround yourself with who you know, like, and I've, you know, I read, did some, you know, you talk about going through all that you've gone through and you find out real quick who your friends yes. are and who they're not. Yes. Right. Yes. So how, what do you go through to kind of decipher someone really have my back or are they just looking yeah. to And that's, that's such a good question because I'm still kind of trying to figure that out yeah. as I go. Yeah. Um, I think everybody's obviously unique and every situation is unique for me. 
I, I like uh, yeah, you, I'm sure you did read it somewhere because I say that all the time when people ask what you. I was like, I found out who my real friends are mm-hmm. because coming off the Bachelorette, I was like, everybody's my friend, everybody loves me, you know. <laughs> and then very quickly, yeah. I realized no, some people just want to use you. Yeah. Um, and so I think the what I look for is, I mean, I honestly, it's it's the biggest thing, and that's simple is just, I mean, trust obviously, but that person listens to you and i think the biggest thing is that they don't judge mm. i think that's an incredible like an, a powerful thing is when you can say something to somebody and they don't judge you mm. whether it's good like you can admit to mistakes you can admit you know let's just say somebody's like i've cheated and then you open up to that person and that person doesn't judge you for mm-hmm. that so i think one of the biggest things is trust obviously and then if, if they, you can speak to them and they they talk to you they open up to you you don't judge them they don't judge you um i just think that's a trait in somebody that is it's amazing because like, I think everybody's so judgy now and yeah. wants to like tear you down. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things is if they don't judge you, I yeah. it's huge. Which AKA is unconditional love. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ultimately the, I, like that is ultimately what I desire too in my relationship with my future woman, which is like, man, just where you can, I messed up or I'm not doing great today or I'm having a great, or like from all spectrums of good and, and <laughs> bad, let's say of healthy emotions that, you can share yourself with someone and it's all okay. Yep. Right. And you're not afraid to share it. Like I made this mistake. You're not afraid to, and because you know, yeah, it won't change the way they think about you. They got your back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Take some time and having a really good, healthy conversation between men. Um, if people want to connect with you just on Instagram or yeah, Instagram, uh, block a, uh, H, on Instagram, Key and Peel skill, yeah, Key and Peel skit, Key and Peel skit. So, yeah, so reach out, absolutely. Yeah, A Ron. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jaqueline, so, yeah, Jaqueline. Yeah. Awesome, you guys. Well, thank you again for tuning in and uh, checking out this episode. If you want to uh, hear more, or if you have questions um, for myself or Blake, of course, feel free to reach out, and we'll catch up with you guys soon. Take care. Thank you. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback, and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.